Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. Some rain around parts of the country. We'll get an update on that and the weather from DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson today as we take a look at the week ahead and the next few weeks ahead, as a matter of fact, here and in other parts of the world as well. Trade, a big topic again as we kick off a new week. Getting closer, it looks like, to a deal with Mexico. What about Canada? Some uh, lower-level talks scheduled to start with China. That has people uh, excited. We'll get into all that with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. And Friday was the last day to submit comments uh, to EPA on uh, RVO levels in the RFS for 2019. The renewable fuels industry certainly stated their case. We will talk with the National Biodiesel Board about uh, their comments and look ahead to uh, what might get done with the biodiesel tax incentive as well all that coming up on today's program but let's start things off looking at this week ahead by checking in with spencer chase at agripulse communications spencer thanks for joining us what's the uh talk in washington in ag circles as we kick off a new week well things are a little bit quieter uh, this time of year in washington as, uh, as i'm sure you and all of your listeners know uh, congress typically takes a, a nice long august recess gives us a chance to either travel back to their states or district or around the world to see what's going on there. But uh, this week, the Senate is actually going to be back in town, kind of bucking with tradition to some extent. Uh, Last week, they were in town for, I think, about a grand total of 24 hours to consider some judicial nominees on the floor. But then they began some uh, additional appropriations bills before they took off. So they're going to look to continue that here this coming week. But also, of course, we're expecting some, some further developments in, in trade discussions. And yeah, from, from the way things sound, uh, a deal with, with uh, Mexico could be announced uh, this week, next week, the week after that, at some point here in the, in the near future. And also uh, looking for agricultural groups to continue their, uh, their efforts uh, against the waters of the U.S. rule, which it seems, uh, you know, selfishly as a, as a reporter, that seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. And here, here it was last week coming back up again. Uh, That was something that uh, I I don't think a lot of groups were expecting, and so they're going to have to uh, step up their efforts uh, against that court ruling in uh, in South Carolina. Yeah, that story just will not go away, and that rule is harder and harder to put away, it seems like, so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, a lot of focus will be this week. Uh, Can they get the deal done with Mexico? And if so, uh, what about Canada? Are they going to get back into this or not? Well, Canada has really been the the tougher negotiating partner on a lot of the NAFTA issues. And even going back uh, before the NAFTA negotiations started, you'll remember some of the issues that the United States had with country of origin labeling. Mexico was a party to that, but Canada was really driving the driving the ship in a lot of those uh, a lot of those issues. And so uh, the deal with Mexico has always been thought to have been the easier one to arrange, but there are still quite a few longstanding issues with Canada including uh, agriculturally specific issues regarding uh, dairy supply management, things of that nature. And, of course, a lot of folks not only watching NAFTA talks, but keeping an eye on whatever the United States is going to be able to accomplish in talks with uh, a Chinese delegation that is coming to the U.S. here very soon. Spencer, also some interesting uh, legal action, too. The the decision against Monsanto and glyphosate and uh, the growing uh, issue about whether or not dicamba is going to be able to stay available to producers with more complaints this year. I mean, uh, those are interesting topics to watch as well that could impact agriculture moving forward. 
Right, and that's a, there's a lot of things uh, that are being settled in the courtroom these days. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the, the issue with the uh, Monsanto case out in California, but also a, lot, a, a big thing to watch, I think, here in the next coming months once Congress returns to town is whether or not they're going to take any kind of concrete action on some of these lawsuits out of North Carolina on the uh, smell pollution, the nuisance, however you'd like to properly uh, term, terminize it. But uh, a lot of uh, action was taken on that here during the recess, a big meeting down in North Carolina here a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of lawmakers look like they're willing to kind of step up and uh, make some noise on that once they return to Capitol Hill. Yep, ag in the courtroom. Well, we're also getting ready for uh, the, the farm bill debate to really pick back up uh, once everybody's back after Labor Day. Right, and as you as you heard from uh, Ranking Member Peterson last week, it sounds like a phone call that they had went well uh, amongst the, amongst the four principals, and so that certainly bodes well for continuing uh, continuing improvement on those talks. If they're going to move something by the end of September, they have a bit of a limited time frame. The Congress is not in town uh, for that many legislative days during the month of September, and so if they're going to move something, they're going to need leadership agreement to move it in a hurry. And if they're going to, going to get that leadership agreement, they're going to have to produce something out of the conference committee that's palatable to both Republican leadership in the House and the Senate. And uh, they seem to have reached some point of agreement that it's very important that they pass a new bill on time, but that is, uh, that's an agreement that they reached prior to uh, prior to actually announcing what was going to come out of this conference report. So that's still, there's still the opportunity for, uh, for an iron to be thrown in that fire, either from uh, House or Senate Republican leadership or from the White House. Uh, we don't know if there could be a potential veto threat looming. Uh, President Trump has stopped short of doing that in previous public statements, but he has said that these uh, work requirements, which were obviously a very controversial part of the House bill, uh, not included in the Senate bill, uh, he has said that those are very important to him, but whether or not it's important enough to him to uh, stop the whole bill in its tracks uh, still remains to be seen. Especially going into the November elections. Right. I mean, I don't think anyone... Uh, we, I mean, we saw what rural America did for President Trump in the 2016 election. I think there's a lot of Republicans that are banking on rural American support uh, as they head up to their own uh, re-election campaigns, be it uh, a number of uh, pivotal races for Senate control as well as House control. Uh, a lot, uh, a lot of, a lot of weight could be played out in rural America at the ballot box this November. I mentioned we'll talk later in the Today Show about the RFS. Um, that continues to be an issue to see how this new uh, leadership at EPA with Andrew Wheeler is going to handle the RFS. And uh, there's still a lot of concern in the renewable fuels industry. Right, a lot of concern. One, uh, one, I guess, good nugget from from this administration, and really from the end of the Obama administration as well, is that the EPA is getting back to a, a state of play where they're going to announce these requirements on time. I don't think anyone is expecting any kind of issue uh, in regards to getting those new requirements out by the end of November. But where the issue is going to come into play is just what those requirements are going to say. Uh, these these biofuel groups, and including some of the ones that you're going to talk to, seem reasonably happy with the levels. Uh, obviously, they'd like to see more in terms of uh, advanced biofuels and cellulosic, as well as uh, biomass-based diesel. But uh, EPA went as far as saying when they uh, opened the comment period that they were not going to accept comments on a reallocation strategy for these small refinery exemptions. And uh, a lot of the biofuels groups just went ahead and commented anyways and uh, gave the EPA advice on how they thought the uh, the agency should, should move forward with realloc- reallocating those biofuels because... In, in their point, if, if a reallocation provision is not included, then the 15 billion gallon RVO is essentially a number written on paper, and it's much harder to enforce because they don't know 
what the exemptions are going to be offered in the future, and therefore it makes it really tough to to actually tell their uh, tell their blenders that there's really going to be 15 billion gallons of biofuels uh, ready for blending and ready for consumption by these oil carriers. Yeah, I think what we've seen from Andrew Wheeler so far is more openness, more transparency. But uh, in many cases, the renewable fuels groups don't like the message, but they may like the delivery a little better. But uh, the the process uh, may be better, but the message so far hasn't been a whole lot better. We'll see how it plays out in this one. All right. Good to talk with you, Spencer. Take care. Pleasure as always, Mike. Thanks. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. All right. Some weather around the country to talk about some rain in places may help the beans certainly help pastures we'll talk about that with dtm meteorologist bryce anderson coming up next on aoa adams on agriculture The fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of... Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Let's talk weather with ETM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, some uh, dry areas getting some rain. May not help the corn, but can help the beans a little bit to finish out. And uh, pasture certainly need it. Uh, so some, uh, some welcome moisture in some dry areas. Yes, there was, Mike, uh, over the weekend, uh, particularly um, west of the Mississippi River. Um, there was uh, that rainfall in northern Missouri, uh, western Iowa is uh, taking in some rain, southeastern Nebraska. We do have some flash flood uh, potential happening uh, kind of right in the Missouri River Valley in Nebraska and Iowa today. And then that uh, rain is also curling into uh, northern, northeastern Iowa and the parts of northern Illinois. Um, there was also some rainfall in uh, south central and southern Minnesota and, and uh Actually, this uh, part of the country uh, could uh, have could make use of the rain as well because uh, early August had been uh, rather warm and dry, and uh, that crop has had varying degrees of uh, wet weather stress, which hasn't been the, the greatest during this season. And so, uh, you know, this moisture is uh, certainly welcome there too. It's really hard for anybody to turn down a rain in uh, mid-August, and I think that we are seeing that. Is this uh, some kind of pattern shift we should be uh, keeping an eye on? Oh, there's going to be a little bit of a switch here over the next uh, 10 days, certainly. Um, The uh, conditions that we had been under over the last, uh, my goodness, several weeks had been mainly uh, upper air ridging over the western half of the United States and then uh, low-pressure troughing more in the eastern half of the country. Now, during the next, uh, you know, couple weeks, uh, the uh, pattern is going to evolve more to uh, a trough of low pressure, uh, kind of running from the Great Basin in Nevada and Utah northeastward toward about Lake Winnipeg in Canada. And then in contrast, uh, the uh, southern half of the Midwest, southern plains into the delta are going to be the focal point for upper air ridging to develop so trough west ridge east and this is going to uh, turn things uh, a little bit on the warmer side especially during the uh, the end of the 10-day period so we're looking we're looking at the latter half of next week uh, but at this point uh, this late in the season I don't think that uh, a turn to uh, very warm temperatures is going to uh, be much of an issue we are in uh, late August by that time uh, the Temperatures uh, seasonally are not quite as uh, hot. We know that. And uh, if anything, I know that there's harvest that is going on in the Delta and is likely to move into parts of the Midwest during the next week. So actually uh, a round of warmer and drier conditions would probably uh, help things move along for getting the combines going. So you have that part of it uh, in terms of a, uh, an effect on uh, what we have going on in the season as well. When we look at the new drought monitor map, is it going to show improvement after these rains? I think there will be some. I don't think that there's going to be a real big um, uh, 
a sudden uh, ending to uh, drought conditions. We know that last week uh, the the chart had uh, the exceptional drought areas, level four drought, increasing in coverage in area over northern Missouri and then into uh, northeastern Kansas. Now, with the rains that have happened, there may be a little bit of a reduction there, maybe going back to level three, but uh, we're certainly going to have uh, a lot more moisture that has to uh, take place for uh, conditions to uh, completely uh, get into uh, an easier and, and less stressful uh, drought pattern. There is no doubt about that because uh, there's been some uh, at least medium-term uh, impact that's going to be pretty extensive. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, uh, we always ask you about other parts of the world. There have been a lot of weather challenges, Europe, Australia. What's happening around the world? Well, as far as Europe is concerned, Mike, uh, it just stays dry over the uh, continental uh, Europe areas. In fact, uh, you know, they've already had damage to the, uh, the uh, wheat and corn crops in uh, Germany and France especially already. And now uh, sugar beet production is, uh, you know, kind of next in line to take in, uh, you know, that kind of a, a uh, problem. Um, the uh, British Isles, uh, Ireland, Scotland, England, all had uh, some pretty stormy conditions over the weekend thanks to uh, uh, post-tropical storm Ernesto. But as far as that moisture making its way into the mainland in, the, in uh, Europe, it really did not. And so that's a, a continuing concern. Australia just has uh, nothing happening for eastern Australia. Uh, now, western Australia and uh, south Australia have had some better rains, and so they're maybe uh, improving in the, uh, in the wheat prospects in those two provinces. But Queensland and New South Wales are uh, still uh, really fighting uh, some extensive uh, damage issues with, uh, with, with continued dry conditions, and I don't think that they're going to be pulling out of that anytime soon. Well, next week we'll be in Boone, Iowa. A lot of us will be in Boone, Iowa for the Farm Progress Show next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. How does the weather look for the Boone area? Well, for central Iowa next week, uh, it, it's really looking pretty favorable right now. Now, uh, this, uh, this ridge pattern uh, looks uh, pretty much intact, and uh, we should have temperatures kind of in that 80s bracket. And uh, there may be a few showers, Mike, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. So that's going to be something that uh, is, I know that the show organizers are going to keep track of and, and kind of uh, fret about. But it doesn't look like a real heavy, uh, heavy shower occurrence. And uh, temperatures should be quite mild. We're certainly not going to cook uh, when we're on the showgrounds over at Boone. That's good news. All right. Uh, so as we look ahead, uh, kind of give us a little longer-range forecast. I mean, we're talking about an early harvest in many places. But as we uh, look into September uh, throughout that month, how's the forecast look? It looks uh, pretty uh, much on the warm side. Uh, temperatures near to above normal when we think about the next 30 days. And uh, the uh, precipitation track, Mike, is uh, looking, uh, you know, fairly, um, fairly promising for the southwestern U.S., you know, where they've been so dry out in uh, the Four Corners area and so forth. And then the southeast may have uh, a little bit more uh, tropical uh, storm activity, keep things wet there. But over the Midwest, 
into the uh, northern and the central plains and the delta. Conditions uh, look pretty much on a normal track on temperatures, and it doesn't look like we're going to be getting any real heavy rainfall uh, developments to uh, compound what looks like a a pretty uh, brisk uh, beginning, a pretty, uh, I, I think, a, a pretty active uh, beginning to the harvest season already. So what's the uh, the Pacific Ocean temperature? Should we be watching that? At this point, the uh, water temperatures are still kind of hanging around neutral. Uh, there's a little bit of warming in the equator region, but it's not real uh, widespread over that entire breadth of that part of the world yet, Mike. And the uh, barometer readings uh, tracked in the uh, Southern Oscillation Index have been uh, just uh, kind of going back and forth right around a, uh, a minus four or so. And that is squarely in neutral territory uh, for the SOI on the 30-day reading. Uh, so this uh, thing regarding uh, the development of an El Nino is still quite a ways off. I don't think that we're going to be seeing any definite trend in that direction, probably until at least uh, the middle part of October. I was going to ask you, uh, are we on El Nino watch? There's, there's, uh, you know, monitoring of it going on, but like I say, the the uh, the track does not uh, look like it's uh, just ramping up to uh, an El Nino anytime soon. And even if it, uh, when it does happen, it looks like this event is going to be pretty weak. Certainly not as uh, robust as the last one we had here a couple, three years ago. All right. So next week at Farm Progress, as we've been mentioning, you'll have your seminars at the DTN tent, uh, DTN building. What, uh, what's your schedule? Our schedule is uh, 9.30 and 1 o'clock uh, for our discussions next week. Todd Holtman, uh, our DTN analyst, and uh, I will be there. And, of course, we'll have salespeople uh, all over the place to uh, talk to customers and, and uh, show them what we've uh, you know, got for them as well. All right, so I'll find you next week, and we'll hook up, and especially if it's not the forecast you just gave us for next week in Boone, I'll, I'll really be looking for you. Oh, I'm sure you're taking notes already, Mike, so <laughs> that'll be fine. Bet. No, I trust you completely. I will pack accordingly based on your forecast. Uh, that sounds good, and we know that, uh, that when we think about these farm shows, that uh, the way to go is to, to plan for maybe a little bit more of an active pattern that we're looking for, <laughs> and then we'll be fine. At least yeah. that's the way I'm playing it. <laughs> there you go. Be, protect yourself in case of anything, right? So that's what we've learned. Very true. What learned. Very true. That's what we've learned over the years. Great. Thanks, Bryce. Always good to talk with you. Thanks, Mike. You too. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Yeah, when you go into an outdoor farm show, prepare for all kinds of weather. Coming up next trade are we close to getting this thing done with mexico what about canada what about talks with china dave salmonson with the american farm bureau federation joins us next on aoa adams on agriculture Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by 
Dr. Martin Ginniger. That lip stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A mix on this Monday for the grain and oil seed sector. Soybean futures rising in the overnight trade, but an hour into the day trade, we've lost that rally. Traders continued to buy after news on Friday that the U.S. and China were working on a plan to end their trade dispute by the end of the year. Beijing, of course, last month introducing tariffs on American soybeans as part of a dispute, but traders are increasingly optimistic the situation is improving. New crop November soybeans closed slightly lower on an inside day on Friday, again an hour into the day, near steady on this Monday. The near-term trend is bullish within a multi-month neutral range. Last week's steady rally out the 851 and a quarter low is a bullish sign. The November contract trading above its 10-day, 20-day, and 40-day moving averages, which is another short-term bullish sign. November beans seeing first resistance at 914 and a half. All this unfolds as the U.S. Trade Representative starts six days of hearings on their proposed list of $200 billion in Chinese goods that would be targeted with tariffs up to 25%. Lower level talks between the two sides set to take place Wednesday and Thursday in Washington. Meanwhile, European Commission trade officials slated to meet today in Washington with their U.S. counterparts. Last week's action seeing corn pull back in a corrective retreat to the 366 low on August 13th, but buyers supporting the market off that level. Livestock at the Merck in live cattle, 25 to 40 cents lower on a Monday, 75 to 95 cents lower in feeder cattle, 30 to 75 lower in lean hogs. Dow up 106 points, crude up 17 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Okay, lots of things uh, happening with trade. Want to get an update with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us. Let's start with Mexico. It sounds like we're close. 
Well, sure. It's uh, reporting is showing they're uh, back again this week and still working away at the uh, auto issues, but indications are they're narrowing narrowing the gap. Um, usually, an old uh, expression in trade negotiations: when you're just talking about the numbers and you've agreed on the concepts, you're getting close. And they seem to be talking about different levels of uh, numbers for rules of origin and domestic content and that, but. Uh, Hard to get to the end, but it sure uh, signs are they're trying to move and get something done, at least between the U.S. and Mexico, what they call an agreement in principle, uh, by the end of August. Do we know, from an agricultural standpoint, what would be different than what we have with Mexico under the current NAFTA? Not a lot of indications on that yet. Most of what uh, the ag community has been asking for, of course, all along was pretty much to keep things the same. You know, we have uh, tariff-free trade with Mexico. Uh, the uh, outstanding issue on the sanitary phytosanitary standards, that chapter was closed pretty much along the lines that we had in the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement with Mexico that Mexico was included in with the U.S. So, uh, you know, as far as Mexico goes, uh, you know, most of the things there I think are going to go ahead as they were. There's been some discussion on some of the issues, but, of course, most of the ag-related talk, especially related to dairy, uh, has been ongoing with Canada. Fruits and vegetables, though, there have been some issues there. Yeah, there has. Uh, U.S. had a proposal, you know, because of uh, longstanding concerns by especially Florida on tomatoes and Florida and Georgia, some other states, on fruit imports from Mexico hitting at different times of the year. Uh, The U.S. had a proposal, which was included in the overall trade negotiating objectives that they have to work with. Those were set by Congress to look at the idea of seasonality. The idea in the remedies section that uh, you could have uh, information from a short term as a basis for bringing cases, perhaps putting on some anti-dumping duties. I know that part of the U.S. proposals being discussed. Haven't heard anything clearly. Some reports are saying uh, that perhaps that's been uh, redone, uh, either in a shorter level to a pre- to cover some crops, but not all crops with this remedy. But right now, we're not sure exactly where that stands. Of course, the big question is, if we get a deal done with Mexico, does that put pressure on Canada? Does that bring them back in? What are you, what are you hearing there? Well, there are some reports that uh, if you can get done basically the bilateral issues with the U.S. and Mexico, then maybe Canada will come in on the basis of doing some of the overall issues. You know, uh, these uh, things like NAFTA, a multi-nation uh, trade agreement, Usually you have basically bilateral concerns among all three partners, and those are mostly the directly economic ones, say auto trade with Mexico um, and our dairy trade with Canada. Those are kind of specific between just between two countries within the three-country arrangement. But you've got overall issues like dispute settlement and things like that, how you bring cases, um, what are the standards for that, that are kind of overall trade law that apply to all three it's not really particular to one or the other. All three countries have to agree. And I think if Canada comes in, they'll come in to discuss those issues. The sunset clause that was proposed by the U.S. last year, the idea that trade agreements would end after five years and have to be redone. Uh, that's a contentious issue, among, uh, especially with Canada and Mexico. So there's several issues like that, overwhelming uh, overall trade law issues that only basically all three countries have to get together. So I think if Canada's going to come back in, they'll come back in to talk about that. 
and then they'll have to sort out the direct issues between Canada and the U.S. Well, it'll be interesting. You know, this deal with Mexico, I'm just thinking, if it gets done, and even if there aren't many changes for agriculture, it's certainly going to be portrayed and uh, promoted uh, by the administration as a great new and improved deal for farmers. Well, and beyond that, um, what you're looking to overall, the other issues with Mexico, and I think everybody in agriculture is looking to, will this, and we certainly hope it does, include a resolution of the whole steel and aluminum tariff issue with Mexico mm-hmm. so that we don't have uh, Mexico can take off those added tariffs they put on back in the beginning part of July uh, that went on pork exports, our dairy exports, as uh, a retaliation for the U.S. putting uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum uh, imports from Mexico. So part of this whole overall deal has been, okay, you've got the purely NAFTA parts of it, but you've also got this extra steel and aluminum and these tariffs Will that also get taken care of in all this discussion? Um, we know it's been included. We know that's been part of the discussion. Uh, that would be good and, I think, really positive for U.S.-Mexico trade if there could be seen to be an end to that problem. Yeah, it would be a win just to get back to where we were before all this started. Yeah, I think, uh, I think people would think that would be good for confidence and for uh, trade going forward, yes. We're talking with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Now let's turn to China. Any sign of uh, talks or a possible agreement with China gets everyone all excited, and that's kind of where we're at now. More talks are scheduled, but these are lower-level discussions that will be going on. Dave, how significant do you think those will be? Well, I think even though they aren't with I'd say starting with top the top top officials, but uh, you know the fact they're sending a delegation, they're meeting at least with a group headed by our undersecretary at the Treasury Department is a beginning. Uh, we haven't had really talks that we've seen much of since May, towards the end of May. So it's good that this may be a start. We certainly hope uh, it leads to something. We've been calling all along for talks, not tariffs try to get uh, these issues resolved at the negotiating table uh, rather than uh, putting tariffs on each other. Though, the, as the, you know, the tariff issues continue, there's a whole set of hearings this week on potentially going to tariffs on another $200 billion of China's imports. Later this week, the U.S. tariffs on $16 billion of Chinese imports go into effect and Chinese retaliation against a variety of U.S. ag products, including ag pro- including. Uh, things like hides and skins and uh, lamb products, honey, other food products. Those go into effect uh, on Thursday. So there's a lot going on in the relationship, and we certainly hope that the uh, talks uh, can move forward. I think these initial ones um, are really setting the stage for further engagement, but uh, we hope it works out that way. (laughs) And meanwhile, what are we hearing on Europe, all of a sudden, we're not hearing anything about uh, talks with the European Union. Anything there? Well, there is a uh, EU delegation supposed to be in uh, D.C. Uh, later this week, uh, try to uh, flesh out what was started last month between President Trump and the EU Commissioner Juncker. Um, from ag point of view, and we've made this case uh, to the administration directly, and I know their sympathy with this uh, from inside the government is to have agriculture included. I think Europeans want to move ahead with talks and try to leave some of the ag issues aside. They're difficult for them, but uh, we have made it clear we want agriculture included. We have the 
<clears throat> longstanding issues with the EU on their uh, sanitary uh, food safety provisions, which keep out a lot of our beef and our pork and our poultry, geographic indicators that we have especially related to dairy and meat products, um, biotech approvals, which are very, very slow in the EU side. So we have a host of issues that uh, you know are subject to negotiation, and we want them included. So, again, I think there's a startup of uh, discussions that may lead to uh, bigger talks, uh, and that's uh, going on this week. Another key market that uh, would be a huge win if we could get a deal done with them would be Japan, but we know they've kind of favored the TPP approach rather than a bilateral. What are we seeing happening there? Right. Uh, last week there was a Japanese delegation uh, came to Washington, met with Ambassador Lighthizer, and, um, again, all your reports you hear from that, they engaged in discussions. Uh, no announcement, of course, of any leading anything formal, but still exploring the ground. The U.S. side uh, would prefer to go with a direct U.S.-Japan FTA, uh, start that bilateral discussion, primarily, I think, really along the basis of the agreement that we had within the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership with Japan, trying to recover some of that. And the Japanese, uh, you know, have moved ahead with the new TPP, uh, and they want the U.S. to go through the process of rejoining that. So in a sense, we're trying to get to the same point, I think. Both countries are trying to get a relationship, see the benefits of a better trade relationship, but from uh, two, different two different ways of doing it, one either joining the multinational approach or doing the bilateral approach. So I think there'll be further discussion uh, along those lines, but certainly uh, U.S. agriculture wants to move ahead in some fashion, either way, to try to recover and uh, gain ground in the Japanese market. You know, one of our strongest trading partners already, but certainly we could do a lot better uh, if Japan would uh, remove or drastically reduce a lot of their tariffs, especially on our meat products. You know, we could sell a lot more there. So very interested in that, and uh, we hope the uh, discussions uh, will lead to some uh, real action in the future. Yeah, everyone anxious for some good news. Just the the rumor of the possibility of good trade news gets people excited. That's right. right. Yeah. All right, Dave, thanks for the update, and hopefully we'll have some bigger news to talk about, some actual uh, deals done, at least maybe with Mexico sometime this week. That would be big news indeed. We'll we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Okay, thank you for having me. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So we'll see if that deal with Mexico gets done here in the next few days, as some are predicting. Well, Friday was the last day for public comments on the proposed RVO levels, uh, the the levels that will be set in the, for 2019 for renewable fuels. A lot of discussion about that. The renewable fuels industry certainly stated their case. We'll take a look at a biodiesel perspective. When we come back, we'll talk with Paul Winters, Director of Public Affairs and Federal Communications for the National Biodiesel Board. That's coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, 
You must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of a trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. 
Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hey, Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. If weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So Friday was the last day for public comments on EPA's proposed blending volumes for 2019 under the Renewable Fuels Standard. Joining us now is Paul Winters, Director of Public Affairs and Federal Communications for the National Biodiesel Board. Paul, thanks for joining us. What was your message, biodiesel's message to EPA in your comments? So, yes, we joined about 300,000 other people in filing comments for EPA. And what our main ask was that EPA set the volumes at the level that it recognizes uh, will be produced by the biodiesel industry. So in the rule, EPA recognized that next year, 2019, uh, the biodiesel industry is probably going to produce about 2.8 billion gallons. Yet even for 2020, the following year, EPA is only setting a level of 2.43 billion gallons. So we're asking them to, to, rec to raise that volume to where they recognize production is actually going to be. The other... Yeah, that's been, that's been an issue for you because you have, your industry has proven its ability to produce more than uh, EPA uh, sets in its levels uh, in the RFS. This has been an ongoing issue. Yes, ever since... Uh, 2011, the biodiesel industry has produced well above what EPA sets each year as the required volume. Uh, what they've been doing is setting up competition between biodiesel in, and uh, other advanced biofuels in the overall advanced category, and biodiesel has basically outcompeted all the other advanced biofuels for that space. Uh, what we're asking again is that EPA reserve space in the biodiesel uh, volumes for the proven capacity of our industry. Yeah, I think that's the key. You're asking for acknowledgement of what you have proven you can do, not something that you uh, think you can do or uh, hope you can do. It's You've proven to be able to do it. All right, what else uh, is your ask in, in, in this uh, public comment period? Well, along the lines of, of proving the ability to produce, we submitted a great deal of information on the available feedstocks. Uh, we noted strongly that uh, this is a record year for soybean production. And USDA's numbers and projections for the stock of soybeans and soybean oil, uh, even for this year, is also at record levels. We're just, just the change from June when EPA issued its rule to the most recent estimates 
uh, for August show that there's enough soybean oil to add 600 million gallons of biodiesel next year. There's also expected growth in uh, animal fats and other feedstocks available. So part of our comments and the focus of our comments was showing EPA that you know we're not just talking, we actually will have the feedstocks and the ability to produce it. The industry in general is operating below capacity. So if EPA gives us the volumes that we're asking for and gives us the market space, uh, we're going to be able to fill it. Another we're talking to Paul Winters, Paul Winters with the National Biodiesel Board. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. So another huge focus for our, our industry is the issue of small refinery waivers, or small refinery exemptions. Uh, the agency, EPA, has acknowledged that they've given exemptions to uh, these small refineries worth about two and a quarter billion ethanol equivalent gallons uh, for 2016 and 2017. So NBB has estimated that volume includes at least 300 million gallons of biodiesel. That 300 million gallons is roughly equal to the annual production of Iowa, uh, probably equal to the annual production of several other of the top biodiesel producing states. That's done a lot of damage to our industry, and we're asking EPA to resolve that. Uh, we put forward <coughs> several different suggestions for how uh, EPA can resolve and, and uh, make up for those lost gallons. Yeah, that's not just an ethanol issue. That's a, a concern for the biodiesel industry as well. That's a very large concern. Hey, Paul, while we have you, I uh, also wanted to ask you, where are we at with the biodiesel tax incentive and the chances of getting that uh, uh, not only put back but kept <laughs> instead of it being on again, off again? So you're right. It uh, Congress renewed the exemption, but in this past February, but only retroactively for 2017. So the producer tax credit uh, remains expired for 2018. Just this past June, the, uh, the biodiesel board joined with several other top uh, associations, uh, the Petroleum Marketers Association, the uh, convenience store operators, uh, the truck stop operators, in advocating for extension of the producer tax credit for 2018 and prospectively for 2019, and then following that uh, to establish some permanency for the tax credit. So all of the stakeholders in the program are now aligned on that program and uh, coordinated in, uh, in asking Congress to, uh, to uh, not only restore it for, for 2018 and 2019, but to give some permanence to the industry. Yeah, it would be a big boost, big boost for the industry, and hopefully that can get done. Paul, thank you for the update, and we'll see what EPA comes up with on these RVO levels for 2019 and beyond. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Paul Winters, Director of Public Affairs and Federal Communications for the National Biodiesel Board.
Now, the biodiesel industry is one that's proven what it can do. Uh, you would like to, and overcoming a lot of obstacles. If they would get the, the tax credit and get the higher levels in the RFS, it would really be interesting to see you know, what that industry could do. It could really take off. All right, so a lot going on here as we uh, go into the latter half of August. And, of course, we're also keeping an eye on crops and markets, as well as trade, farm bill, RFS, and so much going on. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow on Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.